it's a hustle. It's a grind. What, what prepared me for this is one of my coaches in college, uh, our deepest coordinator, he always said, there's no free lunches. He was like, hey, there's no free lunches. You know what I'm saying? There's no free lunches in life. And so, you know, it's like, even if you were starting last game and you had a great game, guess what? You have to show up again next week because yep. nobody's fight yep. is guaranteed. Yep. I don't know if you're all conference, whatever. And that mentality just has prepared me for venture capital on that. Like, there's no free lunches. Just because you guys are in this deal doesn't mean they're going to automatically give you access to this deal. Yep. And just because you have this degree or whatever doesn't mean you're going to be able to finesse your way into this room and leverage that degree. There's going to be times where you get rejected. Hey everyone, my name is Rodell Razor. I'm the CEO and co-founder of X Factor Capital, and I'm going to be showing you guys the inside of our new podcast, the Underestimated Podcast. We're going to be interviewing founders from all over the country. We're going to be telling their stories about the obstacles they've had to overcome, the things they've had to do to build their businesses, whether it be through fundraising, acquiring customers, uh, technology, all these different challenges that you have as a founder, and how as an entrepreneur you have to overcome those challenges, and how as an underestimated entrepreneur, they have unique challenges to them. How they go through that process, we're going to tell their stories, we're going to highlight some of their businesses, hopefully you guys can see some of their great products, some of their great services, um, and th for those of you that are interested in entrepreneurship, this podcast is for you because it's going to inspire you to go beyond that, that threshold of where you want to quit, to go through that wall, um, and these stories are absolutely incredible, so you guys stay tuned. Come along. Hello and welcome. My name is Rodell Razor. I'm the CEO of X Factor Capital and one of the co-founders of X Factor Capital. I'm joined here with my business partner um, and fellow founder, Jeremiah Captain. Um, and today we are interviewing uh, Marcus Stroud. I wanna just thank all of our listeners for joining us. We are on episode seven of season one. Very excited of the Underestimated Podcast. This podcast is designed to tell the stories of entrepreneurs across the country who are building some amazing things, how they've come from their, you know, their background, their education, the obstacles that they've overcome to build what they have. Um, and today's guest is someone very special, someone who shares the space with us um, that we look to uh, not only for counsel, um, but as an ally and as a peer and as a friend. So uh, Jeremiah, I'll let you introduce Marcus a little bit. Yeah, so I'm Jeremiah Captain, no cap, last name is really Captain, right? <laughs> uh, but we're excited to be here. I'm from Oakland, California, part of uh, X Factor Capital as a co-founder and VP, helping the company grow and find fun and fuel, uh, specifically black entrepreneurs, but also underrepresented and underestimated founders. Um, but we're excited to have our dear friend that I've been able to build a relationship over the past year. We're coming up on a year anniversary of us connecting uh, through a social audio room, uh, chat room platform. And uh, we were connected in just talking about, you know, how can we come into this ecosystem of venture and just provide more access and opportunity for those that have been potentially traditionally excluded uh, just because they just haven't had access uh, to that space. And uh, Marcus, it's really just been an iron willed um, uh, individual since I've met him and seeing his story uh, from start to finish from him, you know, where he grew up and how he got into this ecosystem and what him and his partner are doing down in Texas in the venture ecosystem down in Austin. Uh, so it's been really great just connecting with you. Love to, uh, for you to introduce uh, yourself uh, to our community um, and love just to kind of get this thing rolling, brother. So Marcus, how you doing, brother? I'm great. You know, really enjoy getting to know you guys. Really appreciate you guys having me uh, on, on the show, man. It's been, it's been, a, been a really cool journey just getting to know you both and seeing you guys build x factor and yeah my name is mark stroud co-founder of txv partners based here in austin and uh, we focus on here performance and software i'm excited to chop it up today with you guys awesome man that's uh that's dope man so tell us a little bit about uh what is what is txv what do you guys actually do we, what we like to uh, usually ask uh, our guests is you know who you are um and then what do you do uh so go into you know kind of uh, monologue there for a bit yeah for sure so we're TXV, we're early stage venture capital fund based in Austin, Texas. We focus on here performance and software. We launched the fund roughly about two and a half years ago, two years and like seven, eight, seven, eight months ago. Uh, you know, we, Brandon and I both were roommates in college together at Princeton. Uh, you know, he began his career in management consulting. I began my career in finance, working in New York, then working for a firm here in Austin, then working for another firm that was kind of a hybrid between Dallas, Austin, and San Francisco. And then we were given the unique opportunity to, to get started and, and, and create TXV. And you know, so that's what we do. We, we've had the incredible opportunity to invest in some insane companies, uh, companies that are reshaping the way we live, work, and play. I know that's such a you know cliche 
uh, model model for so many venture capital funds when they talk about where they invest at, but you know, we really are investing in the spaces that affect the way we live, work, and play, specifically human performance. And so, you know, some of our companies have included Aura Ring, which is the world's leading sleep tracker, and in my opinion, best wearable companies like Future, companies like Camber, companies like uh, Data World. We, we, we have a portfolio of roughly 11 companies right now. Um, and so it's been a, been a really cool journey to, to build TXV with, uh, you know, my best friend and, uh, you know, a guy who I've done a lot of life with. Yeah, that's amazing. It's very similar to our story, how we kind of look at how we're best friends and I'm the godfather to his son and how we're a partner up in the same ecosystem of building. So we're, we're kind of dovetailed in this ecosystem of venture, uh, similar to things you're doing. And um, so you want to explain a little bit like what does a venture capitalist do? Kind of like, you know, break that down to yeah. some some of the listeners that may not know. Yep. So venture capitalist is basically, you know, a, a venture capital firm. The goal of a venture capital firm is to invest in startups and that can be anywhere from Day one, you have an idea on a napkin up till, you know, you're about to go IPO and you see a little bit of growth capital before you IPO or you want to keep your company private and and, and not go the IPO route. And, uh, you know, so you invest in startups. And for us, we invest anywhere from, you know, half a million dollars up to 1.2, 1.5 uh, through TXV. And then, you know, with our co-investment platform, we can move those checks up or down a little bit. And so that's that's my day to day. My day is consists of talking to our limited partners, which are the people that fund your fund. And so our LPs consist of endowments, families, institutions, corporations. Uh, we have a couple sports teams that are invested in the fund. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of my days, you're sourcing companies, you're constantly looking for the best deals. I tell people this is just like college football recruiting. You're constantly recruiting against firms in your space to get allocations in the best companies in your space. And you know, that requires a lot of hustle and great perseverance just because a lot of the time, you know, you're a no-name fund in Texas compared to some of the behemoths on the coast, uh, you know, it becomes pretty competitive. And then it, it's about supporting the the founder. You know, the founders, the entrepreneurs are the most important part of any venture capital ecosystem, in our opinion. And I think, unfortunately, today there's a lot of venture capital firms where, you know, it's become more about the found, the partners of the firm and, you know, their LPs. LPs. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's, it shouldn't be that way because at the end of the day, if the founders aren't successful, then nobody else is successful. And so that is, uh, that is what I do. That is my day to day. Um, I love it. It has been a grind. The first two and a half years of building TXV were an absolute grind, but it's a really special thing to be able to say, I get to go on this journey intimately with a founder and get to be a part of their lifelong dream and their vision. That's a very, very special privilege that I think a lot of people take for granted. And that's something that we don't take for granted at all. And we're just really grateful that folks, you know, invite us on. Yeah, no, man, I, I could imagine, um, you know, most people don't really understand. Most people see Shark Tank and they think that's what it is, right? You just stroke a check and then all of a sudden there's millions on the other side, right? Um, and so the, the, the depth that they... The, the relationship that you have to build, not only pre-deal, but post-deal, right? Um, and so um, no, I really appreciate you sharing that. So how did you get into this? Like, how did you break in? Because it's obviously you're, you know, you're a former ball player and we talked a little bit about that, you know, prior to the call, but how did you break into this space? This is a very esoteric industry uh, where you, you know, you can't just walk up and be like, hey, I'm going to start a venture capital firm. I graduated college. Let me go. Let me go do this. Right. So tell us how, a little bit how you got into the space. Yeah, for sure. I would say, you know, I was very fortunate. I have a very traditional, I would say, venture capital background in one sense, definitely non-traditional in another sense. But in terms of just like pedigree and, and background, definitely, you know, I was fortunate going to school like Princeton and meeting the people I met. I was fortunate to begin my career in finance, same with Brandon, being able to be at Princeton and begin his career in management consulting. Those are generally kind of the gateways historically that have gotten into venture capital. I would say on the non-traditional side, which makes our story pretty unique, is we, we weren't at like these bellwether firms. Like I wasn't at a Sequoia or a Kleiner Perkins or an Excel prior to starting TXV, and Brandon wasn't at one of those firms either. And so for us, we had this dream when we were in college. And it wasn't necessarily a venture capital firm, but it was, it, was a, it was an investment firm of some capacity. And the reason we had a dream of an investment firm of some capacity is because when I thought about all the guys we were looking up to, which were black men, guys like John Rogers Jr., guys like Neil and Youngblood, both whom are principal alum and have you know, multi-billion dollar you know, firms. You know, John has crushed it at Ariel and same with Neil at, at Pharaoh's Capital. And then 
seeing the rise of Robert Smith at that time as well at Vista Equity, you know, we saw the power those men had over their ecosystems. And most importantly, the opportunity those men could create for other people of color uh, just through their success in the, in the finance space. And we knew that our education, our platforms would mean nothing if we didn't create opportunity for other people. Right. And so to sum that up, I say the reason we started venture capital funds because we had the opportunity to create more opportunity. And that is, in our opinion, your purpose on this earth. You know, you know, we were very fortunate. Like I was fortunate that we had some early investors through firms that I had worked at um, and then just people I'd grown up with, growing up in a town dominated by professional athletes and just coming from a family that had those type of things in it. Uh, we had folks that were willing to kind of take a risk on us early on and allow us to invest through a prior vehicle to TXV and allow us to kind of show our ability to source really good deals to, to build a cool ecosystem. And we also had the support of a lot of Princeton alumni who have become titans in our space saying, hey, you know, we're here to mentor you. We're here to share a deal flow with you. We're here, we're here to coach you up and help you build your firm. And so, you know, that's how we started TXV. That's how we got going. And those are the people that kind of helped us believe in ourselves before we could even believe in ourselves. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you sharing that, man, because it's uh, like you said, there's a there's part of your story that's very traditional, um, but then there's the part of it that's very non-traditional. And, you know, you being able to work through those different barriers, not only as a uh, the traditional side of it, but as a black man in a space where, you know, some of our some of our idols are sports, entertainment, arts, things like that, music, movies. Um, but you found a few uh, role models uh, in the space, like you said, Robert Frederick Smith and some people even at Princeton. Um, that you were able to model and how important that representation is and that you get to be that for that next generation. Jeremiah and I share that uh, that same passion where it's like we got into venture capital very similarly, not just because we wanted to build a big firm. That's, that is obviously a passion, but building a big firm means that we're providing a lot of opportunity to people um, and more people that look like us, more people, and we're a space of representation for the next generation. So not only writing checks and creating opportunity, but as you build an ecosystem, as you, as you, as you build a reputation, you start to, um, you know, be this space where people can go, hey, man, I, I, man, Marcus Stroud, he's a, he's a Princeton alum, and look at what he's doing, right? So there's a, there's a uh, alum or there's a student right now at Princeton that's looking up to Marcus, um, and that's that's something that's very important in our in our culture, right? So um, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I should say there's, you know, there's there's definitely backstory that because you you hit on it, it's pretty cool. So like my dad was an NFL player, and my dad was an NFL player that, you know, unfortunately didn't do well with his money and didn't do well with a lot of things. And, you know, that's why he wasn't around when I was growing up. But I think exactly what you said, my mom would always instill in me as a kid. She was like, listen, it's so easy to be like, you know, to look up to the NFL players, the, the Damian Tomlinson's, the DeMarcus Wears of the world. You yeah. need to look up to the Colin Powell's and the mm -hmm. Robert Frederick Smith's, you know what yeah. I mean? And that was the real reason you want to, I really wanted to get going is because it's like, it's super easy to, to look up to a football player or a rapper or a music producer or whatever, those things are sexy and cool. I guess, I mean, you've both seen it. You've seen it first. Yeah. You see where the real money is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> None of these people got Robert Smith money, man. So, like. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's uh, the ones who, and I remember early in my career, man, I remember I was working in the car industry and I was making a lot of money selling cars, pedaling cars. And I was like, and the owner's the one who signs my checks. How much money is he making, right? Like, I, you get to a space of, like, how do I get to the ownership seat? So I appreciate that. Well, you, well, you want to look on the other side of the table, and we're so we're traditionally on one side of the table as the talent or potentially as the, you know, the athlete or, you know, however you're looking at it traditionally, the people we look up to. But who's on the other side of the table, and how are they able to create that infrastructure and make that type of income? And that's where, you know, I got introduced to the venture capital world while I was working for a big company on the business development side. But I started looking at other companies that were about the same size, they were typically backed by some private equity company or some VC company. And I'm like, okay, well, how do how does that work? You know, you know, how did how did that happen? And that really kind of, you know, really drove me to be more interested in that space. So a lot of times just when you grow up in certain neighborhoods and certain communities, you just don't even know this world exists. And now because of social media, because of these different networks have been starting to, you know, be broken into, I think more and more people are starting to learn about it so we can start to have more talent, you know, get into this ecosystem because, you know, when you look at, you know, people like yourselves and what we're building and there's other people, you know, also, you know, diving into this space. 
space that come from our from our background, um, they're breaking some barriers and they're able to get on some of these um, companies and truly bring value and not just you know bring money, but also the strategicness that you bring um, when working with your founders. I agree. I agree. It's, it's really cool to see. And, and it's going to be really cool to see what venture looks like in, in 10 to 15 and 20 years. Um, you know, one of my biggest things, though, is, you know, this yeah. is this, this is a long term game. This thing is a beast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's it's the sexy thing for everybody to do right now. Yeah. I just, it's a lot more sexy than private equity, uh, <laughs> a lot more sexy than private equity. But the same time, this is a beast. You know what I mean? And, 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 and guys like ourselves, we, we and people in general really tenacious, tenacious, like entrepreneurs, you really appreciate the grind of yeah. what it means to, to build a, an early stage. I remember being in one of the um, rooms with you and we were talking where some people were kind of beating up VC and talking about, hey, because yeah, everyone shouldn't raise VC money. Like every founder shouldn't right. go that route. This isn't for everyone, right? Uh, but if you are building something that potentially can you know, go global and really put a ding in the universe and make a huge impact in the world and better the future, you may want to consider it. Uh, but a lot of people were kind of throwing shots and like, oh, VC is terrible they take advantage of you all this and that and i remember you stepped up and said hey 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 like hey vc is starting to change there's some people doing some interesting things and all that i just remember that this that was a vivid you know memory that popped in my mind right now but i'll never forget how you you know took that stand of like what you guys are doing down in, in texas and what some other people are doing across the country to really you know make vc more you know not democratize where everyone's going to have access to it because at the end of the day there's still you know certain deals that will never just come into the space, um, but allowing more people to have access to it that deserve it, that have worthy ideas and um, have the ability to go build something. So I remember you taking that strong stand. Oh, yeah. No, I remember that day, too. Boy, I was about to get chewed out, torn up and spit out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, it was rough. That, that, that was a tough room. And I think, you know, a lot of that room, too, was a lot of, you know, minority entrepreneurs that had been, you know, burned and scorned by VCs. And I mean, there was three entrepreneurs that I remember in particular. That we had actually rejected and uh you know i think a lot of entrepreneurs think because we're black that like they automatically get a check from a black firm mm -hmm. so what i think a lot of people don't understand what venture capital is you're dealing with opm yeah. mm -hmm. money mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, you're not just dealing with other money people. it's not our money it's not our money, it's not our money. and yeah. it's not just other people's money you're dealing with sometimes people's pensions and people's endowments and people's yeah you know, foundations. And for us, when we started getting that type of money into our fund, it made this thing so much more meaningful mm -hmm. because yes, don't get me wrong. Like I take every one of our LPs super seriously. Like, you know, they are everything. However, it's a different, it's a different thing. It's, 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 you, it hit a little different when you know you're dealing with people's pensions and endowments. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. And I'm sorry. Like I, like I said in that room, I'm like, I don't care if every entrepreneur in this room hates me at the end of the day. I care about the people in our portfolio and I care about our shareholders. And if I'm making those people happy, then we're doing a damn good job. Right. But you know, this is not, this is sometimes this is not a thankful, this is a thankless job. It's not like sometimes right, right, right. it's just by existing, you know what I'm saying? And that's okay. That's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. It comes a part of the industry, right? Is there's a lot of people that think once you get into a space of an investor, um, one, that you're just going to invest in everything that you like, right? <laughs> it's like, first of all, no, not everything has the upside to be in this risky of an asset class, right? There's a high risk asset class where it's like 30, 30, 30, 30, 30% of them, you lose your money, 30% of them, you just get your money back and the other 30% you hope to make some money and it's after five to 10 years, right? So that's the, you know, the understanding is, hey, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't raise my money because I was black, and it's like it might be that, it might be, but it, it might be because your idea is just not attractive enough, right? Like, uh, like <laughs> it might, it might just be yeah. that, right? Because the, the, raising money is one of the hardest things to do, regardless of the color of your skin, whether you're in our shoes as a as a fundraiser or you're in a founder's shoes as a fundraiser. Raising money is one of the hardest things that a human can do in this on this planet. So I want to know, uh, I want to ask this question because um, it's something Jeremiah alluded to. So I want to hear some from you. What about your background, whether it be through sports, your upbringing, what about your background uh, prepared you for the competitive environment of VC? Because I know you've had to like wrestle to get on some deals and most people think, oh, you walk in with a check, founders are just gonna, oh, give me your money, please. Like, I can't wait to help Marcus out, right? Like, it's very, <laughs> the best deals are very competitive. Talk a little bit about, you know, how your background prepped you for that and what the environment's really like on the best deals. 
please. Oh my God, man. Are you kidding me? I'm like, got a book you know, on that. I, I, it's funny because I was talking to one of our LPs the other day and uh, I was like, listen, you don't understand what it's taken to get here sometimes. And when I say get here, I'm not saying we are anywhere by any means. We got a lot right, right, but you get to, but yeah. you're on a journey. You're on a journey. You're on a journey. But what I'm saying, to even be able to sit down in this position and be able to say, I run a firm, it, you know, there was a deal that we've been a part of that has been an incredible success for us. You know, it's going to be one of those deals that probably returns our fund. Um, and that deal, I, I literally was in that founder's office on a Friday afternoon till 5 p.m. I had, a, I had to be in New York for a wedding by like 7.30 or 8 p.m. I was in San Francisco. So, <laughs> wow. you, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, it was like, do you choose to say, forget this deal or like I'll leave it in fate's hands and we speak mm -hmm. for 10 minutes and go there? Or do you sit there and you sell as long as you can and you say, these are the type of things we're going to do for you. Please bring us into your cap table and just, you know, sacrifice that wedding and that experience. And that's yeah. exactly what I did. And that was really hard because it was, was, was a guy I really love and care about, you know, a guy I really respected. But at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. And, um, you know, there have been other deals that I want to say the names of. that yeah, like, of It literally was, brother, I told one of the founders that, you know, gave us an allocation. I would name my child after them. <laughs> I you know, I mean, maybe I thought about it. I'm like, it's probably going to be a middle name of one of my children. I told them, I said, I do what you got to do, man. I said, big dog, you let us in this round. I will literally name my child after you. And uh, I don't have a child. I'm not even married. You know, <laughs> when that day comes, I'm going to remember this because these people have the chance to literally change your life forever because by right. them just being successful and by them mm -hmm. making you a lot of money, guess what you just did? You made me number one rich. You made our right. LPs richer, yeah. but also yeah. you give me the opportunity to go create opportunity in my community. You know what I mean? Yeah. My passion is single mothers, you know, mm -hmm. having a single mom, growing up low income and all that stuff. That is the stuff that I'm passionate about. And so for me to be able to give back to other single mothers is my lifelong goal. And right. so by these founders being successful, they allow me to achieve my personal lifelong goals. And so anyway, it's a hustle. It's a grind. What, what prepared me for this is one of my coaches in college, uh, our deepest coordinator, he always said, there's no free lunches. He was like, hey, there's no free lunches. You know what I'm saying? There is no free lunches in life. And so, right. you know, it's like even if you were starting last game and you had a great game, guess what? You have to show up again next week because yep. nobody's yep. quite as guaranteed. Yep. I don't know if you're all conference, whatever. And that mentality just has prepared me for venture capital on that. Like, there's no free lunches. Just because mm -hmm. you guys are in this deal doesn't mean they're going to automatically give you access to this deal. Yep. And just because you have this degree or whatever doesn't mean you're going to be able to finesse your way into this room and leverage that degree. There's going to be times where you get rejected. Now, fortunately, we haven't been rejected on the deal side because we're some persuasive sons of bitches. We would <laughs> I love it. And uh, we give every founder we invest in a pair of cowboy boots. Tacoma's cowboy boots are an Austin-based company. To give people exactly. a little bit of Texas swag. However, we've been rejected lots of times by LPs. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh my God, it, we, we might have set a record that first year. But it's like it's like that 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 uh that experience of at times in college being bitched, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or being uh or being embarrassed in the film room because you made a horrible play. And uh, just like Coach Go 30. The character for real. That yeah. stuff is humbling. In yeah. addition to just the experience of being a minority. And, and what I like about you guys, and what really attracted me to Jeremiah early on, is we share the same mentality of we don't play the victimhood part. Like, absolutely not. We, yeah. we, nobody plays that game. And that yeah. is something that I try to tell their minorities like, look, you've been given a privilege. You just got to look for that privilege. And sometimes yep. the privilege you have is the adversity that you have. Because adversity yeah, can be an incredible thing. You know what I'm saying? And so, right. like, I, that's why I really appreciated the job with you guys. And I was like, oh, yeah, we walked the same walk. I can, we can, we can run the same lane together because that was a mentality. And I think, like I said, I'm so grateful for all the adversity that Brian and I have had through our personal lives, through business, because it's made us appreciate where we are so much more. And it's made us that much more hungry. And so, anyway, I would say those were the things that prepared me. Uh, for the competitors, that is that is VC. 
Yeah, it's that athlete entrepreneur, um, you know, early in our career when we were coming out of sports and getting into business, we always just said, hey, the things we learned as athletes is very transferable into showing up committed every single day. And um, we don't want to be there doing the hard things, uh, you know, being disciplined, doing it when you don't want to do it, you know, not going out, you know, to make sure that you're focused for the next day, like really saying no so you can say yes to other things in the future. And I like how you use that adversity as a privilege. Some things I say is adversity is an asset. Right, literally, like learn how to use that adversity as an asset to prepare for, prepare you um, where, where you're at today. And like you say, now you're running circles around some of those people that may have had a little bit more easier road to get to where they're at, um, because you just have that grit and that tenacity that you you know been battle tested. Things don't come from, easy, you know, from the you know from the field, um, but also from your upbringing and like seeing that for your mom and that purpose that's driving you to go raise that fund, you know, for not just yourself, your LPs, but also the legacy that you're going to leave when you do get married and have mm-hmm. kids and be able to open that door for so many more um, that, you know, look like you and come from the same place as you. And said. name your son after that founder. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a cool name. <laughs> the cool thing about the cool thing about that founder's name is it's one of those hybrid names where it's like, you could be a guy or it could be. Guy or girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, it's a good name. Like I'm, I'm definitely fired up. Yeah, it's a great you. name. It's a great name. Actually, it's a great name. It's a Stroud name. We think yeah, there you go. There you go. It's a great name. Hey, but yeah, you can, you, hey, awesome. I give I give you permission. You can I'm not married yet either, right? But you can miss my wedding to get on a cap table for a deal that's gonna replace the flood. <laughs> Amen. I'll, I'll take it. He would be my best man, but I'll be okay with him missing that. Hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. I tell you, like. And it's funny because that that story resonated the most with every LP, most of our LPs that we had. Oh, that's, that's the best story. That's the best. They story. were like, "Damn, this dude really don't give a damn." I'm like, "Bruh, now don't get me wrong. Like that has come at a cost, and that's a, that's right. another dimension of this is that like, you know, when you're chasing dreams and when you're chasing goals, sometimes like you you sacrifice a lot of things that can be detrimental at times, and you yeah. you you especially as a as a as a as a person of color, you just sometimes are built with this mentality of you know, it's me against the world. And, and, yeah, and you, yeah. you kind of sometimes can create a heart. And I, and I warn entrepreneurs against this. Yeah. You can easily get a hard heart. And when you get a hard heart, that can lead to a lot of bad things. And I think yeah. one of the things about the entrepreneur journey is just being able to have outlets and be able, being able not to make what you're building your identity. And so that's mm-hmm. that's the next transition yeah. of being an entrepreneur is that like, good, hey, Marcus. X Factor is fire and we both are swag ass dudes and we like the best dressed humans on this earth. You know what I mean? <laughs> However, like that isn't my identity. Both of right. you guys' fathers, who I that am, is yeah. my identity is, is yeah. you know, how, how you are as a dad and, 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 yeah. and other things. And, and yeah. for me, you know, that was my identity for so long and it led to a lot of things. And so don't get me wrong, it got it me in really good deals. It got me yeah. incredible day. LPs and like I'm on top of the world right now. However, yeah. it came at the cost of, you know, me just being vulnerable because I like to keep things real, people. Yeah, it came please. at the cost of a, for your relationship. It came at the cost of friendships, you know, with, with, with friends of mine who are like, man, you just, you just don't show up for me as a friend like you used to because yeah, I get yeah. it. And so it, it's just, it, it's about just really setting boundaries and yeah. keeping what's really important, important in your life and making sure whatever you're building is, you know, two or three in your life, depending on yeah. you know, where, where your values align. No, yeah, I, mean, well, I, I love how you that. share that. Cause you know, Rydell always kind of talks about like, Hey, when someone's telling a story, you know, tell the full story. Yeah. Like, okay, you did that yeah. or that happened or you got that success, but what did that cost you? Yeah. Or like, Hey, you can go do this. I can say what I want to say. It's like, yeah, you can say what you want to say, but what's the consequence of that? Yeah. What's the other side of what, what did you lose to gain that? Because, you know, you say no to this, you could say yes to something else. But when you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to other things. And you just have to kind of weigh that out of what your values are, where you're headed on that goal. And, you know, one of the things I love to say is like the word sacrifice comes from a Latin word, a sacria, I'm not probably pronouncing it correctly, uh, but it means basically you sacrifice things today so you can have sacred moments in the future. Right. So mm-hmm. it's the sacredness of that sacrifice of what you're creating for your legacy, for your mom, for other founders that look like you. So there's a sacred bond in that space of what you're saying no to um, right now. But that's uh, that's beautiful. You ever tell that true story, because a lot of times in this 
hustle culture world or the social media world or the sound bites world. It's like, oh yeah, I just start here and got here, or I just did that and that was it. So give but, it all up to yeah. go, you know, give it all up to go for gold. And it's like, yeah, no one no one talks about the the broken relationships, the family, you know, how how the family comes, you know, and we've I've had this in my own family. I'm sure you have too, where it's like, you know, you go to Thanksgiving, it's like, hey, we ain't see you all year, right? It's like, yeah, like like you just it's part of part of my work, right? It's part of what I do. And you you know, as an athlete, you're used to that because you wake up in the morning, you have 6 a.m. meetings, you got weights, you got, you know, and then you're up till 11 o'clock, you, you go off to campus and you pursue professionally. Um, so like the football world does prepare us as entrepreneurs to kind of just model that similar uh, lifestyle as far as up early, stay up late and see your family. And, the, and then your family and friends have to work around your life. But when you when you're an entrepreneur, people think, oh, well, you make your own schedule. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, not not really. Right. Like I can make my own schedule, but I'm going to be broke. Right. I'm not going to be very fun to be around. So. Uh, so, yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that. I want to I want to dive into one thing because you've talked about them a little bit. Uh, the importance of your partnership. Jeremiah and I are obviously very close friends on top of business partners and talk about, you know, friendship, business partnership, how important, you know, your guys' relationship is as you're going through this journey together. Yeah. I mean, you know, behind, behind, behind my relationship, I'm a Christian, but so behind my relationship with God, I would say, you know, and, and behind my relationship, I have, you know, Brandon and I's relationship is right there. My, my brothers and my mom, you know, and I love my brothers and my mom more than anything on this earth. And, you know, Brandon, I hold them in that same capacity. Um, you know, like, like I said, like our, our, our relationship is, is not the traditional VC relationship that people have, or, oh, we were partners together at this firm and this firm, we came together, and, you know, one bad deal is going to split us up. It's like, we have been through so much together. I mean, this guy literally, you know, not having a dad growing up, Brandon, you know, if you meet, if you see you meet Brandon, you realize like, holy cow, these two people are completely different. Brandon was the complete opposite of an athlete. I mean, Brandon is from a Boozy prep school in New England. You know, he grew up, he came out the womb wearing Brooks Brothers and J. Crew. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is Brandon. And um, however, where he was really strong is where I was weak at. And where I'm really strong, he's he, he's weak at. And so for me, he taught me how to be a man at Princeton because I remember my first day at Princeton, I had on like true religion t shirt, true religion jeans, some Jordans. You know what I mean? And like, listen, there's nothing wrong with being unabashedly who you are and who you, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right, right, right. Yeah. However, Brandon was like, for the circles that I already see, you can, you're going to have the capacity to navigate. We got to switch the swag up, big dog. And so yep. he took me to J. Crew and Brooks Brothers, and he was like, he picked out all my outfits. And then he taught me how to tie every type of tie, every type yep. of knot. And, uh, and, 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 and he taught me how to actually shave. You know what I mean? Because I, I didn't yep. know how to shave. I didn't, I didn't have that growing up. And, uh, yep. you know what I mean? And, uh, when I think about our partnership, I don't think about the deals we've done. I don't think about all the 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 the, the, the LPs and stuff, we, or the capital we've raised, or any of the accolades we've gotten. I think about those moments. I think about him supporting me when I didn't really believe in myself at a school like Princeton. You know, mm -hmm. when I was like, dude, I don't understand Socrates or Plato. What, what the hell can you do <laughs> a different level? I'm like, obviously, I, I knew it. But to the degree, yeah. some of my classmates were able to kind of can speak about these things and, and, and break things down. He was there for me. He believed in me when I didn't want to believe in myself. And wow. so that relationship has just carried over because starting this fun together, like I said, we've been through everything together. You know, we, we've been through everything together. Like there are so many things that I wish I could talk about. Legally, I can't talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have legal documents I've signed where I can't speak about some things that have happened. But um, we have been through so much together. And it has made us so much stronger. And mm -hmm. what I know is that, like, at the end of the day, with or without TXV, if something really bad happened with TXV, that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And Love that, that is and, – and, and people say that all the time. And I'm like, our relationship is rooted – and like I said, I'm not afraid to show my faith. Our relationship yeah. is rooted in our both fundamental belief in God and our relationship with Christ. And, and, yeah. and our relationship is rooted in adversity. And, I, and like, our, our relationship is so deep. Like, he knows my Social Security. He knows every penny that I have. <laughs> He knows all that. And, and, and like, if I were to die tomorrow, it is him and my little brother, Tim, who literally have the keys to everything. Yeah. And, and, and that is the, the degree of our partnership relationship. And the really cool thing is LPs and founders see that. Yep. Because yep. LPs and founders realize when they are bringing you on their journey or when they are investing in you, they're coming into a very deep partnership, family type atmosphere. Yep. And that yep. brings comfort to them because they know that, like, man, there is no ego over here. You know what yeah. I mean? This is this is 
very much a we culture, a very much a collaborative culture. And like, I want to be a part of that because I see the strength in that. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of founders, you know, the, the VCs they talk to, it's very much a me, 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 me type mentality. And so I think that's what's really cool about really deep partnerships. And it's cool. Like cool, said, the second I met both of you guys or I've seen both of you guys, I can feel it right away. I'm like, oh, yeah, they are just like me and Brandon. And quite frankly, y'all is much deeper just because there are children in the equation. And right, right, right. History to that. And so yeah. that's where me and Brandon want to work to is where you yeah. guys are. And it's been cool to see that. how you guys have built, you know, your firm together and build your platform. Iron, yeah. It's that iron sharpening iron, whether, you know, you guys sharpen each other, we sharpen each other, but then obviously as a, as a, you know, as a, you know, what is it, quartet, you know, <laughs> our relationship, you know, are sharpening each other too. So when we see your guys, is um, what you guys All are doing time, man. and what you're, you know, we try to keep up, man, keep up and it's just inspiring us. So that's, that's a beautiful story. So that, that story that you can't share, I guess <laughs> that, uh, that'll be, you know, coffee for another morning. Yeah. <laughs> you can share that with us another time off, off, offline. But, Good uh, for another meal yeah uh, that's dope man uh marcus i love uh one of the questions i, I so yesterday jeremiah um i had him he was he's finally in phoenix so i was like hey man I, I always ask every entrepreneur uh and you've, you've alluded to it so share one of your greatest victories as an entrepreneur as a fund builder um and you don't have to speak to exactly but speak to uh at least uh around it the greatest loss or, or the greatest lesson that you learned yeah um I say one of our greatest victories were, you know, some of the deals we get, we, we got into. And, um, you know, like I said, cause that, those deals, we had no business. Being Pop champagne cap. moments. Exactly. And yeah. the thing is those deals, we had no business being on those cap tables at yeah. all. I mean, absolutely no business. There was no universe in which we should, we should be on those cap tables. Um, but being able to get into those cap tables and then, you know, add value there. Those are the greatest victories. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There've been really cool accolades that have come along the way uh, that we're just really fired up and proud of. But I think just being able to, to 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 demonstrate enough value to where some of the world's best founders are saying, yeah, you can be with us on this journey. That is something that, you know, I've, I've had my, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a person who celebrates enough. I would say I, I like to kind of, it's that football mentality. It's like, hey, man, it's just like Tom Brady. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowls. All we care about yeah. is Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and it's like, you know, accolades are Pro Bowls, but these deals, those Super Bowls, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because those Super Bowls are the only things that, that bring the money to the franchise. These are the things that bring the money to our franchise that is TXV. And I say, you know, when we've gotten those deals, each of the ones that I'm just like, and don't get me wrong, I'm very fired up at every entrepreneur we invested in them. The three in particular I'm thinking of, it's like, man, I remember after that deal, I just went outside, got me a cigar, got me a glass of, you know, some cheap scotch, because, you know, I'm still a <laughs> manager for any LP that's listening. Don't worry, it's cheap scotch. Um, <laughs> out there and just played some some old school R&B and just smoked my cigar and I was like, man, this is worth it. Like all the wrinkles I'm starting to get, a little bit of hair I'm starting to lose. This is worth man. It. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's 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 easily the greatest victory I would say with those deals. I would say the greatest defeat and the greatest failure we've had. And it's funny because I just don't, I don't really look at anything as a failure. And I, that's so cliche to say. Obviously, a lesson. Yeah, it's a lesson. It's learning. I look at it as a lesson. But I would say, you know, we, we, we made an investment pretty early on. Um, fortunately, it was prior to the fund, you know, being closed or whatever, that we were able to kind of not bring it into the fund, per se. Mm -hmm. But we made an investment pretty early on that, you know, backfired in a very, very quick way. And it was because there were certain, you know, protocols and metrics that we didn't really review thoroughly enough just because we were just getting started. And we didn't, there were still little things we were learning um, that led to a pretty, pretty costly mistake, mm -hmm. very costly mistake. Um, very, very costly mistake. And to the point where it was like, okay, we're not going to let our LPs buy a dying asset. Therefore, yeah. this is money that we personally need to just take on the chin. And mm. as two young 20-somethings at the time, that's a lot. It was a lot of money, okay? That was yeah. a lot of money that we basically were saying we're going to sacrifice and forfeit for the sake wow. of our firm. You know what I mean? Wow. And um, Man. yeah, I would say the number, the number is about, the number, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just keep it 1,000, like, the number is about four hundred thousand dollars. So four hundred thousand dollars between two guys. That's that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? A lot of money. Uh, that's a whole lot of that's money. That's already said. Go back to your friendship of how four hundred thousand dollars between two people that aren't built on rock. You know, uh, end a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, I've seen relationships ended for way less than twenty dollars. <laughs> I, I, I got some friends that owe me twenty dollars that I don't talk to. You no more. <laughs> hey, we tell them, man. We tell them, yeah, man. You talk about half a million dollars. That's a lot of paper. Yeah. That's a whole lot of paper. And, um, you know, like 
it taught us a lot, though, because number one, it yeah. taught us about having skin in the game and how that person can feel. And that made yeah. you realize, oh, we, if I feel this way, I definitely don't want my LPs to ever feel this way. Yeah. So let's do everything in our power to make sure they never get this feeling because this yeah. sucks. But also it showed us like the resilience and the, the depth of our friendship. Uh, and, you know, the other one of us were, were, you know, we weren't dating or, 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 or seeing people at the time. Um, and so, you know, for us, it was like an easy decision. Cause I'm like, had one of us been engaged or married, that would have been an easy conversation. You got to put the mortgage up yeah. or something like that. Yeah. College yeah. funds. Yeah. Yeah. That would not have been an easy conversation. That'd have been, yeah. you know, I really don't care what y'all little dream is. We got yeah. mouths to feed and a mortgage yeah. to pay. Exactly. Exactly. Go get you a nine to five yeah. and figure yeah. this out. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can go to his wife and look at yeah. her. Yeah, like, get out. Yeah. You can't stay here. You can't stay here. You need to leave. You need to leave. Every episode, man. Yeah, but so yeah, that'd be the greatest failure. And yeah, I mean, listen, and then there's personal things where I definitely at times, you know, had to work on it. Like being a, like I said, I alluded to it earlier, like. Sometimes being a football, uh, you know, junkie and coming from a football culture, it's very easy to like just to try to grit through everything and just say, "Hey, suck it up," you know, get over your emotions, guys. Let's go. Let's be better about that. Like your emotions don't matter. This is about the team, and that can be very detrimental to a culture you're building. You know 100%. what I'm saying? Hundred percent. Advisors, LPs, entrepreneurs, your co-founders, your team, because we built a small team now. That can be very troubling. And I, you know, I had to, I had to literally go through, uh, you know, failure personally. Uh, between the relationship I was in, between some friendships I was losing, and between just a self-reflection, it took me losing a lot of those things to mm-hmm. understand just how bad of a place I'd gotten as a result of really moving at such a fast pace. That, like, it, it led to me being in counseling a lot. It led to yeah. me, uh, you know, just really having a lot of solitude and really building meaningful friendships with people like you guys that can yeah. pour into you more than just on how you're investing. Real shit, Marcus. It's good, say, man. If say that to say because it's so easy for me to come on this 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 this, this podcast and, and and sit here in my Peter Millar hoodie and talk about oh these are the companies we've invested in. Almost <laughs> real, man. Yeah, yeah, keep it real, man. I love it. You know, but it's like that's that shit doesn't matter. You know, yeah. the stuff that actually matters is how are you treating the people around you who are helping you get to where you got to go to. And I wasn't treating these people right. Yeah, and so that has been the greatest failure for me is knowing that like I could have been a much better person through some, some difficult situations. And, you know, it's humbling, but it's really, really cool to look back and say, okay, you know what? I'll be better moving forward. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. good, man. Well, it's like, you don't know who you truly are until you fail, like until you have that right. big adversity. Cause you know, it's when you're right. winning, when you're winning, it's so easy to be on top. But when you take that big hit to the chin, you go down, how are you going to respond back? But also you know, who are you going to be in that loss and how are you going to treat other people, how you show up? And I love how you took that responsibility on yourselves when the failure happened. You didn't try to go point the finger. You didn't try to make someone else pay for it. You guys took it yourself. And there's an old saying, when you carry your own bucket to water, you value every drip, Mm. right? So you literally value every single drip in that because the money that you're looking to raise is in other people's pockets. And if you're going to just handle it frivolously, you're not going to get it back that second time around. So if you're willing to, you know, take that hit on the chin yourself, but also be very critical and diligent through every process to make sure that you take care of every dollar and every penny of that person's uh, money that, you know, they're pretty much you know using their money to build your firm and build your legacy. They're going to come back to you and, and keep working with you over and over again. So just, you know, amazing, man. I love, love hearing your story. We love how you tell it. And you're so real. Like you said, you're not sitting up there, you know, on your high horse and we've raised all this money. We're doing this and doing that. You're giving us the real raw uh, unvarnished truth. Yeah, man. It's uh, Marcus. It's funny when you were telling that story about you know the we call them uh, losses, lumps, and then lessons because that's really what it is. It's like you take the loss, you, you show the lump, and then it's like, all right, now what's the lesson from it, right? And so you talk about that. So Jeremiah and I have been through our share before we even got here, and that's why when we said, hey. If I'm going to do this with anybody, I'm going to do it with you because there's probably going to be a lot of L's that we take in this journey because of the non-traditional background and the, in the, I got to know that someone has a strong chin. And one of the things where Jeremiah and I's trust, and you could probably speak to this is how the trust went deeper. One of the things that uh, accelerated our trust, we were pretty good friends and we had a lot in common and, you know, we we're really, really tight. But the thing that accelerated our trust was about two years into our friendship. Uh, but he had a business that was going, um, you know, he was doing millions of dollars in uh, sales every single year. And that business was like 
people were threatening that business, uh, threatening his character and all this other stuff. And he was helping me early in my entrepreneurial journey. And even with all the drama that he personally had going on with his business, he still showed up as a friend for me, still showed up as a mentor. And I remember that moment being like, man, when the bullets fly, this guy, he empties his clip. Like he's willing to fight. And so, um, and, th and that's what you want to be able to do is if I'm in a foxhole, like your clip better be empty, right? Like don't, don't run, you know, don't be the one to leave me here. And, and, and we've gone through that in multiple iterations over our business relationship, over our personal relationship is where bullets have flown at us, whether it's at our character, at our money, at our fit, whatever it is. And the clip's always empty. And because I know his clip is always empty, I play full out in the relationship. I play full out in the friendship. And then that just, that it makes business so much easier, right? The level of trust that you're able to do when Jeremiah brings a deal to me, I know the diligence he's done. I know the homework he's done. And I know he's not in it for himself. He's not looking to see, hey, how can I just get Razor on board so that I can make money, right? He's really looking at it of like, how do we, as the goals that we have in our hearts and our minds and things we share, how do we move forward? So yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that about your partner, your friend, um, your brother, uh, Brandon, and hopefully he'll get a chance to, you know, hear you singing his praises because that's that's pretty incredible. You guys have something very unique there, man. I appreciate that, man, and I love I love a lot of those things you alluded to. Now I'm gonna start using some of those those metaphors, those similes you just used, man. You got to be on the clip. You got to share them all, man. Share, man. Just give me credit the first time, and then after that, you know, it's yours. <laughs> then it's all yours. Um, so talk to us real quick uh, before we close out, man. What's what's next? For TXV, um, like what's the what's the next three to five years look like for you guys, and you know maybe the next ten to fifteen years, kind of speak to what's next for you guys. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I'm the type of person where I'm, I'm definitely like the, I like the vision plan for sure. But the really cool thing about what I've learned about own visions is like you can have a vision all day, but the really cool thing about what happens with those is you end up beating that vision. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So you say this is what I'm going to accomplish, and this is what I want to do. And then in the best case scenarios, I mean, it always works out regardless of how it goes down. But in the best case scenario, whatever you plan on happening is exploded out of the water. And so for me, you know, the way I look at the next three to five years of TXV, the next five to 10, 10, 15 years of TXV is we just want to continue to be in, uh, you know, best stewards we can of the capital we have. We want to continue investing in the really cool human performance of software companies. And then eventually we want to be able to be a more, generalist firm in certain areas um, as we add more talented partners who are specialists in really, really good areas. Um, and, and, and that's the goal. You know, we've already started the process with fun two and getting that off the ground. Um, we've already started, you know, the process of bringing on another general partner, uh, a couple more people. And um, you know, that that's really exciting to kind of begin that process and go through that. Cause you're just really building the culture and going from there. But beyond that, you know, I don't know. Cause you know, we're not, we're not even promised tomorrow. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's like, I'm just, I just want to do whatever I've been given to do today to the best of my ability and same with Brandon. And, and hopefully 10, 15 years from now, we're sitting in positions. Uh, all of us are sitting in positions like, you know, we probably, I don't know if anybody's going to meet, going to catch up to Robert. Robert money's long. <laughs> he, he set the bar pretty high, man. The way the future's yeah. going though, anything is possible. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we're sitting in positions where, you know, we could really start to transition more from the the super hardcore day to day grit, hustle, grind to where you're now being able to obviously you're still working, but you're you're now able to do more of your passion projects in terms of like supporting, like like I said for me personally, supporting nonprofits that support single mothers and, and, and mental health and 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 just women in general. Um, you know, and, and and that's my goal in the next 10, 15 years is to really create an impact in that space through the work that we're doing. And then also like, you know, there's a, a problem I've had, I think since the George Floyd movement has been, there are a lot of black venture capital funds, a lot of black firms, a lot of black leaders who have really profited off of that movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And ever since I was 12 years old, the first college I ever went to in my life since I was a kid was Grambling State University. That's where my grandparents went. And that's where my aunt went. And, and, and the only football games I went to growing up was the Southern Classic or whoever Grambling was playing. So I'm originally from yeah. Louisiana. And so for me, I only knew what HBCU or HBCUs were. It wasn't until I started taking official visits in college that I had stepped on a you know private white institution. So for me, the HBCU tip is really, really, really important to me. And so for me, Brandon, you know, and him who's who comes from an incredibly educated family, his grandmother, you know, his grandfather went to North Carolina AT. And so for wow. Brandon and I, it's like, how are we meaningfully impacting these HBCUs? on a very okay. in real level. And I don't mean wow. just some 
bullshit press release. Oh, look at me. I'm a cool black BC and I'm getting to do these little swag things with black BC or whatever. It's like, I don't really need press. I literally want to be able to go to an HBCU and say, Hey, here's, here's a million dollars. Here's $250,000. I want to endow this chair. I want to create this scholarship. I want to give all the kids that are low income who are freshmen who don't know how they're going to get home. I want to be able to pay for their trips home for the holidays, mm-hmm. be able to some, some spending money for their families. You know, those are the things that I'm really passionate about if I'm blessed with the opportunity to do in the next 10 to 15 years, because you know, it goes back to what I said at the beginning. What's the what's the what's the what's the purpose of having a, a platform with opportunity if you can't create opportunity? You know what I'm saying? And so that's how I see the next 10 to 15 years playing out if if, if things go well. It's yeah, awesome, man. Adding adding purpose to the portfolio, man. There you go. Yeah. Add purpose to the portfolio. I love that. Yeah. It's good, good, man. All right. Well, uh, the last thing, the last question I'll ask you, man, is, um, you know, I always I love to uh, ask entrepreneurs uh, building anything, really. um, Why you like why NLP? Why would an institution? Why would a founder like why Marcus? Why? Why TXV? Why? Why you? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Look, at the end of the day, we're going to go balls to the wall and give you everything we got. That's all. You know, that, that's honestly it. That's all we got, you know, and, and uh, you know, I tell LPs all the time, this isn't about me or Brandon. We were just the people who were fortunate to get this thing started, but it's so much bigger than us. And it's going to be so much bigger than us, but you're not, you're going to be a few people on this earth that really are going to go sell out balls to the wall to do whatever we got to do to make this thing meaningful. Because at the end of the day, you know, I go to sleep at night thinking about my LPs and their money and thinking about our founders and their teams. And, uh, you know, there are a few people who take that to heart the way I take it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a privilege to, to be in a position I'm in and to do what I get to do. And so that's why I think I'm a good person to partner with, uh, just because, you know, we consider everything we have right now to be a privilege and we want to continue having this opportunity. I love it, man. I Got love it. Soul, man. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, you're incredibly humble, man. Um, you've obviously just listed you and Brandon as Forbes 30 under 30. I uh, can't forget that shout out. Congratulations on that. I mean, uh, you know, send our congratulations to Brandon as well. That's that's a very big honor. Um, and I know that um, it's an accolade, like you said. It's a Pro Bowl accolade, oh, not a Super Bowl accolade. Yeah. 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 Not a Super Bowl accolade. It's only Pro Bowls, dog. Optics <laughs> and optics and all that. And But at the end of the day, you want to, you know, kiss the trophy and move on as i say exactly. kiss the trophy move exactly. on and it's very important um and i and i think you know like you talked about um not not that you're downplaying uh the individual accolades because without the individual accolades if we didn't know robert was a billionaire if we didn't understand what he did yeah. the representation for the next generation yeah. and so yeah. um that's what you are marcus and we we definitely appreciate that man i appreciate you guys man looking forward to staying on your journey and watch you guys continue to explode absolutely man all right well we'll close out um thank you again to all of our listeners uh this is marcus stroud partner at txv partners um out of austin texas we thank you marcus for joining the show we thank you all of our listeners and most of all thank you to our sponsors who make this possible we are very grateful for what you guys are uh, allowing us the opportunity to do let entrepreneurs fund managers um and just dynamic people across the country tell their story and how that being underestimated has given them a competitive advantage in the marketplace Thank you guys. Marcus, where can people find you at? Oh, yes. Instagram handle or LinkedIn. I, I don't have a lot of juice on my social media, but you can check me out. Marcus underscore Stroud on both Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus.